Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our panel here, as always, which includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna. Good day, sunshine. Oh, it's going to be a good podcast. Jorna's already singing. You know, Jorna's an election lady, and uh, spring elections are over, and so we're gonna we are gonna talk primary elections. Uh, but before we do that, we got to introduce Robert Craig, who is actually not with us here in the the uh, 20, 21st century studio podcast <laughs> studio here. He's on the road. Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Welcome, Robert. Good morning, team. And Robert's on his way to Wausau. We'll talk a little bit more later in the podcast about why Robert is headed to the middle of the state. So we are going to, as I mentioned, we, we need to talk about spring elections. And um, it was a big spring election in terms of a uh, very important statewide Supreme Court race. Uh, and it was a very, very close race. Essentially, Rebecca Bradley and Joanne Kloppenberg uh, had had through. And congratulations uh, to Joanne Kloppenberg on that uh, race. Uh, Joe Donald, who we talked about, Citizen Action had supported, uh, got about 12%. And so we head on to a very important general election. And I want to get both of your thoughts going away from the election um, in terms of what you see going forward for the general. Jorna, why don't you kick us off on this? Well, uh, to echo your statement, um, Matt, congratulations to Joanne Kloppenberg. Great job. And I would encourage progressives and Democrats all across the state to really get behind this campaign and put all you've got into this race because we can't afford to lose this seat. That being said, I think that the next five and a half or so weeks before the election, um, in many ways, are kind of out of our control. We are seeing this very interesting uh, you know, campaigns play out on the national landscape for the presidential contest where we still have Democrats competing for a nomination. We have Republicans competing for a nomination. We have zero control over that here in Wisconsin. And so I think we're going to see an electorate in April on April 5th that is really energized by either one side or the other, depending on who is still in that race. So I think that this is a winnable state Supreme Court race for us. But I do also think that it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to depend largely on forces that are like South Carolina and Nevada and all these other states. So it's going to be interesting. Robert, your thoughts? Well, I think we I think people have been focused uh, by uh Judge Justice Scalia passing away on how important courts are, and we know that uh, the state Supreme Court is extremely important. We wouldn't have uh, illegal actions like Ad 10 on the books if it wasn't for a busy stacked Supreme Court uh, stacked with politicians, not jurists, from the right. And so Rebecca Bradley is one of those people. There's no doubt how she will decide any serious issue. It'll be ideology first. And her legal arguments to motivate Reese to get to where she already is. And so that's why it's really important that Justice Bobsberg win the second race. She, she almost won uh, before um, against Prosser. In fact, we thought she had won until the uh, Brookfield votes were discovered. And so that it's great that she has uh, put together a strong campaign. And quite frankly, I think that um, I know there was some. Uh, 
division among friends, you know, in, 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 the, in the House of Progressives around Daniel versus uh, Donald versus Fosberg, uh, Joe Donald. But quite frankly, I think it's made uh, Justin Fosberg a, uh, a Judge Fosberg a stronger candidate and more likely to sit Yeah, Robert, I actually want to follow up on uh, that, uh, the Kloppenberg campaign. Um, like everyone else has said here, uh, kudos to that campaign. They actually ran an extremely effective campaign, um, and it is clear from the results um, that they were extremely effective at isol- isolating Joe Donald as not progressive, right? And for for two clear reasons, right? The obviously the making hay of the endorsement, the twice endorsement of Rebecca Bradley, and then also uh, Prosser, and just really being really sharp on setting out very clear non-policy related things to set markers for progressives uh, as to who, who who the progressive was. And I think she clearly did a fabulous job on that. say one thing about that. I, I agree from a political tactics standpoint, but I can't let it pass without saying that this is the problem we have with judge races and that uh, the niceties of judges always uh, supporting each other and recommending each other don't mix well with hardcore electoral politics. And what we're going to find out in the general now, of course, is that uh, the other side is going to say absolutely false and horrendous things about Joe Poppenberg, which I've got this with a record. And so we have a real problem with judge elections now that the Chamber of Commerce and WFC is taking over the court and made them uh, like, like the worst of negative politics and, and really not put the public in any position Yeah, no, Robert, that, that point is extremely well taken, but nonetheless, um, it was a vulnerability that was extremely well executed and sent very clear signals uh, to the electorate in a primary election about who was what. And, and, and so um, I think they did a, an effective job. Now, looking forward, I think they did such an effective job that I think a good chunk of that 12% of Joe Donald was actually both people who lean Republican and are independent-like, and the notion that somehow, you know, the Joe Donalds will all go over to, to Joanne is probably not going to happen at all. In fact, I think they're up for grabs. Let me just say, Matt, when we endorsed Joe Donald, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't about Joanne Klopsberg in a negative way. It was about a positive on Joe Donald, and that was that he's the only candidate with a serious record on something that one of the greatest injustices in our society and our age, that is mass incarceration of African Americans, and that we're the leading state in the country for that. And I'm really hopeful, because Joanne Klumpberg was bad on the issue. She just didn't have a record. She wasn't campaigning on it the way Joe was. I really hope now that she moves to incorporate all, um, all voters, all the ones for Joe Donald, and that she takes on that issue, because the time has come and public opinion has turned, and it's the politicians who are running from behind right now. So, as I was saying, Jorna, your point about this electorate is going to fundamentally change because of the presidential. And again, remind everybody, presidential primary is on April 5th. I think most of our listeners are well aware of that, but that is going to radically change the electorate. It's going to be significantly larger, and it's very difficult at this time to determine what that's going to look like because, as you mentioned, each one of these, both on the Republican or the Democratic side, 
could change in terms of how important or how relevant the Wisconsin primary is, and that is going to dramatically impact the size of the electorate. Well, and let's also be clear— Spring primary turnout was anywhere across the state from 10 to 20 percent, depending on which community you were in, closer to 10 percent, which is is teeny tiny. Um, As we get into April, April elections are still not high turnout elections. Now, it will be elevated because of the presidential primary. But how many of those voters are actually just going to come out and vote in the Republican or the Democratic presidential primary and really still aren't paying anything, any attention to anything that is down ballot from there? So I really I think it's it's really incumbent upon us to use this opportunity with the heightened debate in Wisconsin and around these presidential politics to highlight what a train wreck Rebecca Bradley is and what, how badly we need another good, solid, sound, sane, non-choking person <laughs> on the Supreme Court. Yeah, and Robert mentioned this earlier about our support of Joe Donald and around his track record and experience. I mean, now that we're down to these two, I mean, the experience is just, it's a wipeout here with Joanne's record and experience as a jurist, right? But um, and, of course, the way Bradley has been appointed to essentially everything. Uh, Robert, some more thoughts on, on going forward uh, in the April 5th election. I think that if we get all of the Donald votes and all the Klopfenberg votes together in the general, that we have a very good chance of winning. Uh, so understanding Jorna's point, that's a bigger electorate. So it's not just the votes that occurred in the primary. Um, Here's where Bradley is on mass incarceration and the fact that we um, are, that you're uh, 13 more times likely to be incarcerated if you're an African American than a white in the state, white person in the state. And that is, she says the law is colorblind and that her decisions have nothing to ever do with race and neither does the Supreme Court. So this is just willful blindness. It's the right wing's excuse uh, for continuing Jim Crow like conditions uh, that are modernized, modern conditions. So I hope we can all unite on that and other key issues in this election. I think we can. uh, But there's going to be an onslaught. And I don't know what they're going to say about Joanne that's false, but you can can, can rest assured that there'll be hundreds of millions of thousands of dollars and and millions of dollars of money, special interest money behind making the false claims against uh, Judge Klopfenberg. So we are going to continue to talk a lot about this race going forward. Uh, Before we move on to um, other issues, particularly what the hell's been going on in the legislature this week, um, we need to mention what happened here in Milwaukee County. Um, And uh, we've talked a lot about the Milwaukee County executive race and our endorsement of uh, Chris Larson. And Chris Larson had a surprise, very narrow but shocking, I, I think a lot of folks here, uh, upset of Chris Abley in the Milwaukee County executive race. And um, we at Citizen Action did a lot of work and want to thank people who came out and volunteered in uh, in that primary and over the weekend, uh, working with the Working Families Party and a lot of our allies and really trying to get the word out. Um, but of course, this, this election moves on like others to the general on April 5th. And a lot of what Jorna talked about is going to be at play in this race too, uh, really seeing what the electric looks like. Um, we'll talk more about this down the road. I, I don't want to get in too deep into the weeds today. Uh, Robert, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this uh, that uh, you definitely want to get out, but we're, we will talk more down the road. Uh, but any summary or you want? Let me, let me just speak to the, uh, all the listeners not in Milwaukee so that they, uh, so they can appreciate what happened. And you're right to point out that, that in our nonpartisan election process, the uh, primary is the first round. So Chris 
Forrest has not won yet, but he came out ahead slightly in the first the first half, shall we say, and there's a still second half to play. And this is a, a national significance. And the work Families Party has been established in Milwaukee, and Citizen Action is a leading partner in the work Families Party. Um, Chris Abley is a billion-dollar uh, corporate Democrat who spent tons of money on corporate image ads for himself uh, on the Super Bowl, throughout December, et cetera, and then lost in the first round to a low-budget progressive candidate, State Senator Larson. So this is something that has national repercussions being watched all over the country as something that's very along the same lines of what Bernie Sanders is doing in the presidential election, kind of a triumph and a rising of the new progressive politics. So people should keep posted, but this has implications well beyond Milwaukee. But some people expect Chris Abley, the incumbent, to spend $5 million of his own money in a county executive race, okay? Think about that. I mean, you talk about uh, killing an ant with, with an elephant gun, but that's what we're talking about here. And so there's still a long way to go in this game. Well, and just uh, to our listeners who are interested in coming in, we are going to be doing a tremendous amount of volunteering, lots of volunteer opportunities uh, as this electorate expands. A lot of voters who we need to talk to really don't know a whole lot of what's going on, and we can use your help. We're going to have a link where you can come on, sign up, say that you want to volunteer. We will have somebody follow up with you uh, as uh, volunteer opportunities uh, arise over the next six weeks, and we'd love for you to come to Milwaukee and help out. And of course, Milwaukee and Milwaukee turnout will be very important in the Supreme Court race. So um, you could be helping both of those. Uh, so please, I encourage you, if you uh, live within uh, driving distance, to consider coming and helping volunteer with Citizen Action uh, in that race. So with that, we need to move to what went on in the legislature this week. Um, it's just, look, we we talk about the legislature, and it's just, it's unbelievable in terms of the things we've experienced over the last five, six years. I don't know if I have the day, five, actually, if I pay attention to Facebook this week. The, it's hard to not. Five-year anniversary of Act 10 uh, last week and continuing. Um, but So we had a, just a dizzying array of legislation that moved through both the Senate and the Assembly on Tuesday, and we'll talk about some of those specific pieces in a minute. Uh, and then today, we record Thursday morning. The Assembly is about to um, kick off today and probably go well into the night. They're expecting to take up over 100 bills. And as you know, these are not bills that most people have asked for. Um, and many of them will come. There's been very little debate and discussion. Uh, but they are being rammed through. So these folks can you know, pay back special contributors and get on to campaigning when they're supposed to be working all year, but instead of discussing these over the next few months, we're having them discussed over two days. Jordan, I know you've been in Madison. You've been tracking this stuff, please. Uh, How could you possibly <laughs> track all of the all of the bills, the crap, them being kind? I, I have actually one idea, Jordan. Let's start. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the one that didn't pass. And ah, let's talk a bit, okay, and we'll yeah. get into it, about the, the efforts to privatize yeah. public water. I think that's a critical so, issue to talk about. So there was a bill that did get, that is dead for, for now, let's be clear. Correct. For now, there's got to be some campaign contributors out there that can call them back into special session to, to, get, to privatize our 
public waterways. Um, but you know, this is a this is a growing concern here in Wisconsin. The privatization of our public resources in general, and especially of our water. And frankly, then um, today, as we record this podcast, there is a hearing in Waukesha with the governors and the Canadian officials that border all of the Great Lakes about diverting Lake Michigan water to Waukesha, um, which is a it would be the first in the nation and and Canada. Yes, Canada. Canadian, yes. <laughs> uh, it would be it would be a first of its kind sort of um, proposal. And so this is this is really detrimental especially when we look at all of the water crises that are going on in the Midwest. You know, you just have to look across the lake to Flint to see how important it is that we protect our natural resources and that we're investing in clean water and not just allowing companies to privatize our resources. Yeah, no, it, just to be clear, this bill was going to allow, real specifically, uh, p- private corporations to come in and buy our municipal water systems, which, I mean, anyone who lives in a decent-sized city that has a significant water system knows how much money we as as citizens have invested in these public infrastructure. Um, they're, they're, they're significant amounts of resources. It's a major thing we do, and it's been our money, right, and that these would then be turned over and privatized um, uh, is, is appalling. It's worth pointing out that there was only one organization that uh, was actually uh, registered in favor of this, uh, this stinking pile, uh, and it was a water utility uh, from Pennsylvania area. So I'm, I'm glad that they have a lot invested in Wisconsin water. Yeah, and Robert, I want to go to you, but I, before I do that, I just want to say kudos to all of the groups, and this was a big coalition of both environmentalists, conservationists, uh, people who work in the public, uh, municipalities, and labor unions, and in particular, the Wisconsin State AFL-CIO played a significant role in really trying to rally folks in opposition to this. Robert, your thoughts? Well, I think we need to take a step back, because on this kind of bill, uh, the first question you ask yourself is, who's asking for this? Is this something coming from the public? And the answer is, of course, is not at all. The public, uh, to the extent they're even aware of it, is learning about it in the controversy. It's not something that constituents are asking for. It's something that big for-profit, multinational corporations are asking for. And obviously, they have influence because they fund elections and they lobby. And so, obviously, this is the problem with our government right now. It's bought and paid for. But here's the challenge. And this is what really frustrates progressives. When people hear about this, they tend to think, well, they're all that way. All the parties are that way. Everything's corrupt in Madison. So I'm just going to tune out. I'm not going to vote or I'm going to vote for every candidate seems to speak to me and not make any distinction. And what we've done a terrible job on the, uh, 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 as progressives in doing, and Democrats did a terrible job of doing, is making a clear distinction between that. And so playing the same game and then uh, just saying we're a little bit cleaner, we're not quite as corrupt, we, uh, we're, we're not quite as bought and paid for, um, isn't going to win, isn't going to make people feel that they, own their, they can own their own democracy again. So it's ironically the corrupted conditions and the cynicism of the early 21st century that makes it possible for this to happen and, to, and for the public essentially to wash their hands and therefore we acquiesce. And so the protest against this trade is great that there's a day of execution, there's no guarantee they won't ram this through right, uh, right away early the next session unless we change politics in, in this election. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's hard to fight back against this overwhelming supermajority <laughs> that we have because they just don't care. And unfortunately, good legislators do get snared in that trap of bad things happen. And so they must be part of the problem as well. It, you know, a couple of other things, though, that did pass through the legislature this week. Uh, we now are essentially going to and voter registration as we know it here in Wisconsin. Yeah, and we've talked about this now in three consecutive podcasts because we think it's absolutely critical. It's um, and it's it's happening without a ton of you know press. I don't think a lot of no. people know about it, and I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate how important these uh, volunteer registrars are and, to get and, people registered. And guys, it's for 2017, so no one who's planning to register vote people to vote this election should be discouraged, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it 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 doesn't impact right now, but obviously it's going to impact in 2017, and unless a miracle happens and the legislature's overturned. Well, and you know, I- included in this bill and in other bills that have been passed this year are so many different changes to our uh, the administration of elections that this is we already saw on Tuesday in the spring primary elections so much confusion in a small turnout electorate around the implementation of photo ID and residency requirements and all sorts of other challenges that, you know, this legislature just doesn't care about. It was five years ago um, this month that they introduced essentially what became the photo ID bill that passed. So in five years, we just keep going backwards on Wisconsin. So Robert, any, any thoughts you have on some of the other pieces yesterday in addition um, we had the ban on local governments being able to issue IDs, sanctuary cities, and a number of things that, uh, as we'll talk later uh, in the podcast, have led to uh, a Day Without Latinos event that's being organized uh, by Voces de la Frontera and tons of Im- immigrant groups around the state. Uh, other thoughts, Robert, on on what's been happening in the legislature? Well, it's just good that it's finally over. I mean, they, it's literally a situation where they run out of things uh, things to do that they can think of. Uh, but you're right to call out the targeting of Latinos. Uh, the Day Without Latinos Day is designed to make people realize just how central Latinos are in our economy and our communities and how they're our neighbors and what happens if, if they were not there. And it's perfect now. Whoever named it, I don't know. I'm just probably easily Googled. is is brilliant because uh, the Republicans in Wisconsin and nationally are literally seem to be campaigning on the idea that we would remove Latinos from American society. If we talk about sending 11 billion people back to Mexico, that's what we're talking about. And these are our friends and neighbors. They're vital to our communities. Uh, they pay their taxes. They are, they are, they are, they are us. They are not them. And so I think this, this, the protest, it turns out, is perfectly well-timed. Uh, given what's going on in the legislature and what's going on in the national conservative movement, where their strategists know that this is very damaged to them long term, but apparently they can't say no to their native base. Yeah, and Ro- Robert, we've talked about this as it relates to Trump and Trump sort of being the incarnation of everything that they've been pushing. Um, it is, you know, I want to talk about the day without Latinos. It's, it's again, we record Thursday morning, so it hasn't happened. Um, but it is pretty clear this is going to be a fairly large uh, gathering today um, at the Capitol. And it uh, hopefully will make a big impression, uh, particularly here in Wisconsin. And I want to point out, I think what what's been done, what they did to raise up around Howard Dairy Farms and the iconic dairy industry in the state basically is completely dependent 
on Latino and immigrant workers in order to carry out this industry. And um, the Dairy Farm uh, Association has actually been one of the few businesses has been very upfront about being against a lot of this anti-immigrant push and really getting out in the press this week and talking about how critical this community is to Wisconsin and to uh, carrying on this iconic industry, the dairy dairy industry. And so I, I just, I you know, hope the best. Wish I could be in Madison today and uh, a lot of solidarity to all the folks that are out there. It's, I want to point out that our organizer, Lou Sosa, um, uh, is is uh, there in solidarity. And we know we have, I think, at least 15 to 20 members who have said they're also attending from around the state. So um, thanks to everyone who was able to attend that event. Let me say one other thing, Matt, quickly, uh, again, in the interest of taking a step back and being broader about this. Uh, what the conservative impulse is about is it's about blaming, divide and conquer. And so it's about blaming someone else uh, for troubles that are caused by, you know, the powerful, quite frankly. Uh, and so the idea is that immigrants, people who came here to live the American dream, to find opportunity, that they're at fault and they're to be blamed for the troubles of other people. When, in fact, we know, if you take a step back, very clearly that, that, that the entire establishment of the United States of America was part of, of bringing immigrants over here because they wanted their productivity, they wanted their labor, and then turn around and say, oh, we're going to blame people for, for coming over here, right? And then they, do, they, they have families here, they have lives here, they've been here, uh, over half of Latinos here have been here more than 10 years, and now we're going to say, quote-unquote, you're illegals. It's my understanding that the Trump crowds get mad at you if you don't call them illegals. Like, rather than calling them fellow human beings and neighbors, we're going to define them by immigration status, but we're never going to acknowledge that it's been the policy of this country to bring their productivity here. It's been the policy of multinational corporations to also make conditions horrendous in Mexico for profit, so there's less opportunity there, and people needed to come here. But now they're here, and they're part of our society, and we're going to say it's all their fault, and we're going to dehumanize them. So just think about that. I mean, I'm just sick of uh, if uh, the, the word illegal needs to become as much of a as an epithet that can't be used as as words that we used to have in our society for other ethnic groups and racial groups that are now literally uh, so beyond the pale that no legitimate person can use them. So uh, agreed. And speaking of people who hate immigrants and do call them illegals and all sorts of other derogatory Uh-oh. terms. Jorna, it must be time for Paul Ryan Watch. It's time for Paul oh, Ryan I Watch. Love- Ryan Watch. Paul Ryan. So uh, this week in Paul Ryan Watch, Paul Ryan has been blamed by chief uh, immigrant hater. The Donald. <laughs> the Donald. The oh, hair. did he run into the Donald this week? Um, He did run into some issues Sweet. with the Donald this week. The Donald on the campaign trail in South Carolina has blamed Paul Ryan and Paul Ryan being on the 2012 ticket with Mitt Romney for the failure of a successful Republican presidential campaign. Bingo. He nailed it. He's winning so much. I mean, we, winning every day. I, I would definitely blame <laughs> Paul Ryan. Ryan, I can't believe this is going to come out of my mouth, but if I'm blaming anyone on that presidential ticket, it's not Paul Ryan. I believe it'd be Mr. 47 percent. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, oh yeah. mittens. We a, haven't talked about mittens in a you while. you got to love the Donald. That is great. I mean, 
Welcome, welcome to your party, Paul Ryan. Meet, <sighs> meet your presidential nominee. He I mean, loves you. In the same breath, Donald <laughs> Trump also did call uh, Senator Lindsey Graham a quote nut job <laughs> because he endorsed Jeb Bush and not the Donald. Oh my God, we gotta okay, we gotta stop. <laughs> okay, we're done laughing about Donald Trump because he is an awful person, but. <laughs> It is always appropriate when someone like Paul Ryan runs into his own creation. Uh-huh. Uh, there's one other bit of, uh, I, I, I saw this week of uh, Paul Ryan news, and it, it happened yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, Paul Ryan apparently seems to be confused between outsourcing of jobs <laughs> and the uh, insourcing or the HB1 visas, the visas that uh, uh, immigrants uh, use to come on over and work legally in this country. Uh, well, Disney, uh, I think it was last year, had this very famous laying off of their own workers where they actually had to train their replacements. And uh, apparently Paul Ryan this week in his effort, his overzealous effort to talk about the need to cut cut taxes and reduce things for uh, corporations uh, felt that we needed to do this and confused uh, this with uh, the Disney workers, uh, much to his embarrassment. So Paul is learning a little bit more about, you know, what's going on here in the country. In world of, affairs. In world <laughs> affairs. What, uh, what's going on. So, um, with that, uh, we need to, uh, Robert, before we move to our furlough, you are traveling up to Wausau today, and I wanted you to tell our listeners about why you're headed up there, and in particular, uh, for folks uh, who you know, maybe don't know our state as well, Wausau, central of the state, an area that used to be very solidly progressive and democratic, but is increasingly uh, become more conservative, and uh, we've lost a lot of seats, and ha- it's an area that has been hit very hard by um, the lack of a real plan for how to create uh, good jobs in this economy. So, Robert, uh, why don't you tell us yeah. about your speech here in Wausau and what you're doing up there? Well, I'm. Yeah, it'll be over by the time people hear this. But Thursday night in uh, Wausau, I'm giving a, a, a speech on um, what happened to the economic uh, opportunity in Wisconsin, and talking about how we have essentially replaced family-supporting jobs. Uh, over the last two decades, and especially during the Great Recession, uh, with, uh, with with basically poverty wage jobs. So almost all the jobs we lost were jobs that were uh, that paid a living wage, that were middle or upper income jobs, and all the replacements have been virtually all lower paying jobs. So these are these are very clear numbers. And to talk about what we would do to build an economy that works for everyone. So that is what I'm talking about, and obviously this this unites economic development policy and WEED Act with a serious discussion about poverty and low-wage work and what we would do both in terms of economic policy, in terms of social policy, to actually uh, make the American dream a reality again. And Warsaw is a great test case to talk about it, so I want to thank the American Association of Beauty Women chapter and uh, the local public uh, think tank, WIPS, uh, for sponsoring that Thursday night. Well, I hope that uh, goes well, and uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about these issues that Robert has uh, raised, and uh, as we go forward, we think of their critical issues uh, as we head into this 2016 election, but with that, we, we have got to move on. It is the weekend, furlough time. Robert, when you're not touring Wisconsin's finest bathrooms, what are you going to be doing this weekend? I don't know, Matt. I may be going to Chicago to see my folks, but that all depends partly on my brother Ted's plans and the nephews and everything, but there's a tentative plan to do that. We'll see if it comes off or not. Well, that sounds like that sounds great. And by the way, kudos to your Pittsburgh basketball team. They're hanging in tough this year. 
Jorna, what are you doing this weekend? Um, this weekend I am, because it's going to be beautiful outside, I'll be spending quality time at uh, the barn with George and Reno. Josh! And I also, on Saturday night, will be attending the Fair Wisconsin Annual Gala. Oh, well, that sounds great. That sounds excellent. Everyone's got a good weekend this weekend. I, too, have a good weekend. If you are friends of mine uh, on Facebook, you very well know what I'm doing this weekend. There's a big uh, motorcycle race in Milwaukee, first of its kind since the 1980s at the UWM Panther Arena. Panthers roar! The Panthers roar. Uh, You know, this place holds about 9,000 people, and my son is racing on Friday night. It's a big race that Harley-Davidson and uh, a good friend of mine, Jeremy Prock, is putting on. Indoor flat track racing. We're going to have pros. We're going to have... Uh, this new hooligan class, which uh, includes modern twins, and all the way down to kids, which my, includes my son. So very much looking forward to it. It's connected to a motorcycle show that goes on all weekend in Milwaukee called Mama Tried. It, it has got bike builders from all over the country. It is well worth seeing. It's only about, I think, like 10 bucks to get in. Uh, it's an amazing good time. The Harley Museum has events going on all weekend starting uh, this Thursday night. Uh, connected to it. So it is, winter's a long, long slog here in Wisconsin. And uh, this is something different to do this weekend. Uh, a lot of fun. People come from all over the country. So uh, shout out to Scott Johnson, uh, who runs a number of businesses here in Milwaukee, including the iconic Fuel Cafe, who puts on the Mama Tried event. It's excellent and really want to encourage people to come to that. And Friday night, the racing starts at 630. $15. You can get tickets. Very cheap, fun, and entertainment. Uh, this weekend. Brian, our producer, will be there. We're very excited to have him and his kids. Um, so very, uh, very very much looking forward to this weekend. Uh, but with that, we want to thank Brian, who makes this podcast happen every week. Robert, we hope you have safe travels up to Wausau, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking with, with you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin Podcast.